0: Well, good morning. Welcome back to the broadcast for Timer Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Friday, August 4th, 2023. And our top story today, with Secure 2.0 ahead, we took a look at the Department of Labor regulatory calendar. And joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Kevin Walsh, who's a principal with Groom Law Group. Kevin, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us this morning on BRN.
1: Jeff, thanks for having me on. It's always good speaking to you and your viewers.
0: Yeah, and it's always always good to actually see you because I know we, you and David are always on the uh, the podcast, which eventually will become a full-time show but it's always great to see you uh, in person or semi in person. Um, Kevin, let's talk about the uh, the reg calendar. I think a lot of people are getting antsy. Every time I open up one of the trade publications, people are getting really antsy when it comes to Secure 2.0. They're really antsy when it comes to just regs in general. What are you hearing in terms of the reg calendar?
1: So the Department of Labor has a very busy fall coming up, a very busy you know spring of 2024 and probably a big summer of 2024. Uh, And I say that for a couple of reasons. The first is uh, under Secure 1.0 and Secure 2.0, the Labor Department was directed by Congress to get some rulemaking done by certain deadlines. So, you know, Jeff, you highlighted reporting rules. Um, Under Secure 2.0, the Department of Labor was directed to update reporting requirements. Um, You know, similarly, you know, we look at this year and they've been told to put a report to Congress together on uh, pensioners transfer. So DOL is real busy just getting the things that DOL has told that Congress told them to get done done. And DOL also knows about a second deadline, which is, you know, every time there's a change of administration, there's a bit of a reset on rulemaking. So if the Labor Department wants to get things done during the Biden administration, uh, they really need to have it done by the end of his first term, just, you know, things can change. Uh, And to do that, you know, rules really need to be coming out now this fall. Proposals need to be getting done. And so we expect, you know, if you were focused on the Labor Department building, you'd see a whole lot of staffers working around the clock on rulemaking.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you, do they, do they have enough resources? I mean, I know I've been reading about the Inter- Internal Revenue Service not having enough resources, although I think they did hire some more folks uh, last year in the last couple of years. Are there enough resources? Do I, do I need to walk down to Congress and ask for some more budget for them?
1: Well, so I think if you ask a regulator if they have enough resources, the answer is going to be no, they don't have enough resources. Um, But some of that is that, you know, the regulator may have one set of priorities while Congress has told them to focus on another set of priorities. And that honestly, that's one thing we've seen this year with the Labor Department. Um, Earlier this year, we saw uh, letters from a number of trade associations saying, you know, dear DOL, please focus on the rules that Congress told you are due this year. Uh, under secure 2.0 so please modernize disclosures to participants please modernize uh, reporting rules please work with treasury on guidance around um, rmds and guidance around roth contributions um, on the other side though you look at the regulatory agenda and the labor department has some of those things listed but they also have some of their own initiatives on it so there's abandoned plan rules that the labor department's working on right now Uh, the Labor Department has has said repeatedly that they're focused on annuity distribution and could possibly revisit fiduciary so neither of those are on Congress's you know list of directives but there are things the Labor Department would like to get done and so you know you're highlighting are there enough resources to do both you know at times it seems like there might not be enough resources to do both and some of it comes down to how does the Labor Department prioritize among you know congressional deadlines and the agenda of the administration.
0: Kevin, how important, just for the audience's benefit and maybe my benefit as well, how important is it to have the regulations around Secure 2.0 sooner rather than later? Why is it important for administrators, plan sponsors, any party that works in the retirement ecosystem, why, why do they need to get the regs now or sooner rather than well, later? It,
1: it's important that you get the regs out uh, in enough time that plan sponsors and service providers and record keepers can implement them. Before they take effect, so with Secure 2.0, a number of provisions have deadlines where they take effect. You know, for plan years beginning after January 1st, 2024, and if there aren't regulations in place, then service providers and plan sponsors have to make reasonable guesses about what the statute requires. Um, but there's a lot of compliance costs that go into developing those systems of, of you know, of operation, and if the Labor Department subsequently comes out with a different path or or a different set of rules, even if it's designed to get you to the same place, um, you know, it really can drive up the cost of offering retirement benefits to employees. It can drive up the costs of service providers um, in a way that gets you know it, it doesn't help participants. So, you know, it's the idea that you cut measure twice and cut once. If the labor department is late with rules, you could end up in a world where plan sponsors and service providers are stuck cutting twice to try to you know do the same thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, Kevin, before I go to commercial break, I have to ask you, this is one of your pet projects. I want to ask you about missing participants. Any developments there? Because again, I've been reading a lot about abandoned plans, abandoned participants, people who have money saved in their qualified retirement plan, maybe lost touch with it. Uh, Any developments there?
1: Well, so I I think you're keying in on something that was in Secure 2.0, which is that it directs the Labor Department to create a... um, essentially a participant lost and, lost and found. And that's one area where we're hoping that the Labor Department prioritizes using its resources and coming up with a system where it really can be a clearinghouse for folks who are looking for their pension benefits and you know possibly alleviate some of the burden that's being placed on plan sponsors right now to try to track down former employees.
0: Yeah, I gotta think it's in the trillions of dollars, maybe billions, I don't know, maybe tens of billions. It's a lot of money that's out there and people may have multiple accounts. Kevin, as I said, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the regulatory calendar in 2023 and beyond. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future this network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the Baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. What do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses. I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you got to start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. THE BROADCAST RETIREMENT NETWORK WILL DRIVE VERY HIGH ENGAGEMENT WITH PREMIUM PARTNERSHIPS. SO THIS ISN'T RETIREMENT AND SAVINGS FOR YOUR PARENTS OR GRANDPARENTS. THIS IS FOR ALL AMERICANS, AND WE'RE GOING TO CHANGE THE WAY YOU THINK ABOUT MONEY. WELCOME TO THE NEXT FRONTIER OF RETIREMENT AND SAVINGS. THIS IS BRN, THE BROADCAST RETIREMENT NETWORK. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for staying with us. Really great to have you hanging around for segment number two this morning.
1: Always good to stick around. Your program's yep. uh, a lot of fun, so let's uh, let's jump back in. You know what makes it fun? The guests. The guests make it
0: fun. Smart guests. We always have smart guests. Um, your present company included. Kevin, let's talk about auto portability and rollovers. This, again, we just ended this segment talking about missing participants. Uh, something that really uh, triggers me is how can we help people not leave money behind. One way is auto portability. Any developments there?
1: Well, so auto portability has been a hot topic for a few years. Uh, prior to Secure 2.0, the Labor Department provided a, a pathway for a service provider to launch an auto portability program, which essentially is a way that, you know, if you don't take any action, your money can follow you. Um, in Secure 2.0, Congress codified uh, the, the framework for that program. And, and we know that one thing that the Labor Department is revisiting is They're looking at are there rules they can issue around those auto portability rules to, you know, put in place more guardrails and also to help it operate effectively.
0: Yeah, and I I like it better. Do you remember, maybe you're a little young for this, but Eggtra had, I'm just kidding, uh, Eggtra had a provision for auto rollover into an IRA. I actually like the portability better because if you're forced out, again, that's forced out versus a portability. Uh, because theoretically you'd have a big balance. But I like the auto portability a little bit better because you're not being pushed into an IRA, you're being actually pushed into another qualified plan. Um, It seems like Congress really built a better mousetrap when it comes, in my mind at least, want to get your perspective on that when it comes to uh, transferring investments and transferring retirement balances.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I I think there's pros and cons of each. Different participants prefer different outcomes. But you know, as a default, you're highlighting that, you know, if a default is you move into an IRA, then, you know, you've got the individual account, you probably have more investment options, but, you know, your fees might be higher. Um, but if your auto portability rolls you into a, you know, a new employer provided plan, um, you have a curated list of investment options and, you know, your fees are somewhat more spread among, um, among the different participants. I mean, you know, when, when we think about these things, Um, there's pros and cons to both outcomes, but, you know, I, I think one that's exciting is that there is now the opportunity for money to automatically follow you from employer to employer.
0: Yeah. It's like a little, like a lost puppy, uh, or not lost puppy. It's like a little puppy following you. Uh, Kevin, I want to end the, the, uh, the segment talking about ESG and we've talked to you and your colleague, David Levine, plenty of times about ESG rules, um, Look, I mean, this thing is a lot bigger than ESG, but there's been some pushback. Any development with ESG in particular to qualified retirement plans Forgetting all the other, the political backlash, all the other stuff going on outside, any developments about plan sponsors that want to include an ESG fund or funds in their 401k or other qualified plan?
1: I mean, I, I think how is ESG going if we exclude the political backlash is a lot like asking Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Um, <laughs> at, well, at, at point, you know,
0: I was trying to avoid the, you know, I don't want to get into the political haranguing around it. I'm just more about the the brass tacks. Yeah. Anyway.
1: And I, I think you're making a great point here, um, which is that, you know, the Biden administration issued rules around ESG investing, um, you know, last year. And where we are now is we're in a world where you can take ESG into account as a tiebreaker without special record keeping requirements, uh, and you can do it for your default investment option as well as other investment options. Now, you know, it's tough to not get political here because you know on the if you if you listen to uh, the Biden administration, the idea here was to take a thumb off the scale um, of folks who were scared of using ESG. But who thought that it was, you know, of economic use? Um, if you listen to the, you know, Republicans on the Hill, uh, there's a sense that retirement assets are going to be used for purposes other than retirement security. So there's a fair amount of noise right now. We know that, you know, Republican uh, governors, Republican legislatures are very interested in, um, you know, narrowing when ESG is used. Um, you know, we've, we've now seen, uh, you know, democratic states begin to question when ESG is not used. So there's a fair amount of litigation going on right now. So I don't want to hazard a guess for what the current ESG rule means. Um, but, you know, it seems as though both the Biden administration and the Trump administration before it highlighted that, you know, ESG can be an appropriate factor. When it's going to have a positive economic impact, um, and that ESG consideration can also be an appropriate factor in the case of a tie on economic factors. Uh, beyond that, you know, there's a, a a lot of cacophony out there, so I, I think you've got to be careful.
0: Good word, Kevin. Do you read the Federal Register every morning?
1: I open the Federal Register every morning. Um, and-
0: the nice wow. thing it's is online I don't get I don't read? get
1: like a 400 page, 5000 page paper thing, but I I click over uh federalregister.gov and I see what what's popped up as as rules that are coming out tomorrow.
0: Yeah, really I mean it's a good source of information. I don't read it every morning, but I do look at it. Kevin Walsh, we're going to have to leave it there. Always great to take a tour around the regulatory world. Thanks so much for joining us and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon.
1: Thanks for having me on, Jeff. And thank you, viewers.
0: And that wraps up this episode of BRN AM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to? Drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest security news and lifestyle wellness, finance tech, so much more all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, visit our website, and of course, our YouTube channel. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRN Weekly. We'll be breaking down the markets in segment number one and then taking a look back at our best segments for the week. You're not going to want to miss it. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.
1: Now
0: is your opportunity